What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to a new episode of the Phoenix MMA Podcast. Um, this one, I apologize for the road noise. If, uh, if there is uh, a, a lot of road noise, I apologize. Um, can't stop right this second. Uh, uh, I'll publish it, and if it's miserable, I'll, I'll redo it uh, tomorrow in a, in a better um, uh, where there's not as much road noise. So I'll, I'll test it once I upload it, or I'll listen to it and see, see if it's just miserable. I'll do a shorter version. Um, but driving back from Knoxville, uh, that's the, the road noise, yeah, just, um, on the, on the way back and, um, can, uh, gonna unpack and go over Austin Swink's, uh, fight that he's had for Aries. He won, uh, via unanimous decision, uh, it was a three round, uh, fight, won by unanimous decision. Um, there's some, uh, good things that, uh, some good lessons for everybody to get and, uh, and also, um, you know, I talked to Austin about this after the fight, suggested that he writes himself, you know, journals, basically a page or two so that he can, because he's going to have deeper details, darker details than I'm going to have. Um, but, uh, but the, the details that, um, that, uh, so that he so he can read it when, when it comes up and basically when the demons come up again, because at some point they are, it might be a year from now or five years from now, uh, for another competition. Uh, but everybody else be a, a, a good lesson, uh, something to, to learn from. Um, and I'm not going to lie, the, 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 the real way that you learn this is you have to experience it. Um, but maybe you can lean on this and you could uh, lean on Austin's experience uh, for when, when you face the same thing. Uh, but to, to truly know it and understand it, you, you have to, there's something about uh, going, you have to experience it and go through it. Um, whether you're successful, whether you win the fight or you lose the fight, um, you, you have to go through. Uh, you're going to run into uh, this scenario, what happened to Austin. Um, Austin didn't have a big injury or you know uh, anything like that. It wasn't a big injury. He told me after the fight, me and Xavier, he said, he was like, I got to tell you guys something. He's like, something I, you know, I, I didn't tell anybody. I thought he was going to say he had like an injury that he had been uh, just concealing or hiding, um, but it wasn't that. So it wasn't an injury. Uh, this is all just psychological. Um, so first thing, how um, we'll go break down the fight, and how it went. So um, the first round, uh, the first round, uh, the again, I, I haven't got to rewatch the fight, so I'm just recalling the details that I can. The first round, uh, Austin, they met each other in the center. They both came out and, uh, you know, uh, start basically started fighting, fighting right away. Um, there wasn't much of a feel-out process. Um, Austin pressured, uh, took the center of the cage uh, right away, and we'll go into the details of, uh, of that, why it was important to do it. And, uh, and so his, his opponent, this is an amateur MMA fight, but his, uh, his opponent has... Uh, pretty smooth, like a uh, pretty good ba- uh, for an amateur. Very good balance. Uh, just solid, good fundamental uh, kickboxing. Uh, honestly, a lot of skills that I wish um, if we could get to where the skills that his opponent had were like the par um, of all of our strikers, it'd be great. Uh, he can he could move uh, gracefully. Um, 
he could uh, switch stances. He didn't necessarily need to, but he could throw a punch and switch stances without getting completely off balance. Um, but uh, could gracefully move and, and slide step and, and smooth and, and close the distance and create distance and circle and pivot and um, Tyson Hobb do, do do he had good footwork. That's that's what I'm saying with the guy. He had good foot, footwork. His main weapons he had was uh, from orthodox, a rear round kick. Uh, of course, he would throw in, um, he would throw teeps, and he's throwing everything, jabs, everything. But his main, his main three weapons, his most powerful weapons that he had from his previous fights, a rear round kick from orthodox uh, that he throws with a lot of heat, uh, and then a right hook that he throws with a lot of heat. Um, and uh, one of his fights, he, he got, uh, I believe, three, two knockdowns, and the third one was a knockout. Uh, and at 125, that's pretty rare. Uh, it's it's not common for 125 pounders to have knockout power. It's it's not not very often at all. Um, so true, and it's true knockout power too. It's not like uh, where you knock somebody out or knock them down, rock them in a TKO, like a clean. They're buckled. They're out. Uh, it's hard to have that much power um, when you're that light. Um, sorry, let me check. Um, the when I say par for the striking class, it's not even or our striking program. The, the knockout power—you don't have to have that knockout power. Um, just his ability to move and, and uh, footwork, very smooth. Uh, wouldn't rush too much. Um, now we'll go into it. Austin exploited a, a huge hole that he had in his game, which Austin uh, had a theory uh, from watching his fights, and his theory he picked up on something that was correct. You you know you can have a theory, but his opponent was uh, had only two fights. And was one and one. His first fight, he, he looked really smooth and had knockout power. He was throwing that uh, rear round kick from Orthodox, followed by a right hook, and he would also throw uh, good strong left hooks as well. His first fight, he really just demolished the guy, destroyed the guy, made him look really good. His second fight, it was just short. His his opponent was a good bit taller than him, but but he wasn't like his first opponent. He wasn't a walk through. He just didn't get you know he wasn't a heavy bag and got beat up like the first guy. Um, he he met him and pressured him, um, and they were ha- it was a very it was a good solid uh, fight like very competitive where where they're going you know they're both going at each other, um, and then uh, Austin's opponent uh, threw uh, a kick and um, uh, tripped himself uh, with his his high kick, and then uh, the the guy that was fighting him uh, took his back, like went straight to his back, not even not even three seconds, like right when he falls down straight to his back, straight on a rear naked choke. So it was hard to really see. Um, There's not that that much footage. Um, social media too. There wasn't that much footage. So could see that he had uh, good footwork, had good balance, was smooth for an amateur. Um, you know, all, even at pro, everybody has weaknesses. Nobody's nobody's perfect. Uh, but uh, Austin's read and theory was correct, which was for uh, low kicks and low calf kicks. He was spot on. That's what that's uh, his read on that, and end up winning him the fight. Um, and, uh, and and it wasn't like in the other fights, like he ate ten or fifteen low kicks. Um, so the the you know as you get as you get, I mean, if somebody watches this fight, he's really gonna have to work on that because Austin might hit him with twenty or thirty low kicks uh, and low calf kicks. Austin almost finished him uh, at the end of round two and round three with low kicks. He the guy got to the point where he he could hardly even stand on his foot. He would switch stances. Uh, and then Austin would hit him with a low kick on the other side, and he would he, he the guy looked at his corner several times. When Austin would throw a low kick, he would look at his corner because he was in pain. He he couldn't his legs were they were your legs literally stopped working. It's not just pain. 
um, they just start turning off on you. Um, and the guy was definitely had not experienced that before. Um, uh, so, but yeah, the, the big things we're thinking about is, uh, that, that, the, the right and left hook really powerful. And then of course, if that head kick can touch you in the head, then, you know, any, any head kick can put you out. Um, so those were the main concerns. Um, Austin in the first round, uh, uh, pressures to the center and they, they exchange a little bit of, uh, you know, again, I'm blurry on the details, a little bit of punches. Austin starts landing the low kicks, um, early, uh, in the first round and Austin lands, I think maybe he landed two or three in a row from the same like stance, him and his opponent, like he literally threw the low kick. It, and then he got back in his stance, threw it again within another second, and then threw it again in another second. All three of them, to, two or three of them landed just over and over and over. Um, and it was just because it was there. Austin would throw it, it landed, and uh, and then his opponent didn't move, react. It was there, so Austin doubled down on it, tripled down on it. Um, uh, about midway through the first round, uh, his opponent um, landed. Uh, landed. It was either a hook or an uppercut. Uh, and Austin said on that one, the, the first time that his opponent had knocked him down, uh, he said it was a good shot. He, he didn't know what hit him. And, and from the angle, I couldn't tell whether it was an uppercut or a hook. But it was, uh, it was clean. It was crisp. It was fast. It was explosive. And I think it was right on the chin because, you know, the Austin, you know, basically went got dropped, went limp, went to the ground. And how he described in the locker room was the first knockdown the guy hit, like, uh, you know, Austin was, he was like, I was there. And next thing you know, I was on the floor. And it's funny because Austin was like, it wasn't that as bad as I, you know, thought like getting dropped like that is. And just so you know, like, uh, honestly, it's not bad. If when you get hit really hard and your brain turns off for a moment, you get dropped. It's not very painful. It's just, you know, you're there on your feet. And then next thing you know, you're on your back. And that's what Austin, uh, described it as the same things. He said, I was up on my feet. And the next thing you know, I was sitting on my butt. Um, but off of that, uh, Austin did well, um, off of his back with his guard. He, uh, he, he got a connection. He, uh, he, he, uh, gained his composure, even though he was rocked and had to clear his head. He did well, um, with a high guard. So when you're, when you're on your back, um, lots of things that jujitsu guys will do that will mess them up is they will try to, uh, a lot of things that jujitsu guys will do that will mess them up is they'll try to start reaching up almost like they're, uh, especially if they're gi guys, they'll try to like reach up almost like they're doing a cross collar sleeve or they're, they're trying to reach up too much. Now you can sit up and get an overhook or an underhook on an arm and you can get an overhook on the, the head. Um, but to, to reach with your arms, you have to be like actually crunching and like sitting up, closing the distance so your opponent can't just punch you. Um, lots of times, uh, again, it's especially gi jiu-jitsu guys will try to reach up because they're so used to i think it's because they're so used to laying on their back grabbing collar sleeve and that posture and that's not a good posture for mma um but when austin was rocked and his opponent closed the distance in the first round and that that was the first good knockdown where austin's like hey i was i was really i was knocked you know i was on my feet next thing you know, i was on my butt um at that point, because Austin had no connection with uh, with his guard and his tie ups, instead of reaching up, what was good was he did a high guard shelled up, and um, and what I was yelling to him, I, I don't know if he can hear it. again. This is it's all a blur when you take a really hard shot, uh, but he did exactly what we do in the phone booth rounds, which that's what you're. It's not just on your feet, but it helps you on your. It helped Austin and his guard as well, where he had his uh, high guard elbows were inside tight. 
And at that point, you can't roll because you're on your back, but you can 100% slip. So his opponent was throwing big hooks and overhand rights, and Austin was uh, slipping. Some of the shots were, like, going through and, you know, having, but they weren't connecting uh, fully. They were sliding off the side of his head. They were sliding off his gloves, off his forearms, off his elbows. So uh, an example of where boxing rounds on the phone booth can help you off your back and guard. Again, he didn't have a connection. And if he would have reached up for the guy's wrist or neck at that point, all it would have taken is one right hook and, and then you're unconscious because you're already, you're already rocked. And at that point, you're easier to, to fully knock out. And, um, and again, if you, you, um, when you do your high guard and you're crunching left and right, you also, uh, you know, bend your back a bit because you're doing a crunch. So if you do get hit, you have a little bit of uh, shock and recoil space. So your your abs take a little bit of it. Your neck takes a little bit of it. If you're laying on your back, like a again, like a gi jiu-jitsu guy does, laying on their back with where you're like reclining back, like collar sleeve grips. When your opponent throws that punch, when it lands on your chin, if your your head is resting on the floor, it's just like hitting a stud in the wall. Like there is no shock. Everything just goes to your chin, to your skull. Um, all the damage. There is no like recoil or. Um, uh, not recoil. There is no like shock absorber where your your abs and your neck and uh, everything, but also it's it's landing just straight on your chin. It's not sliding off the side. So Austin did really good with that. Uh, he controlled himself. Um, yeah, gained his composure. Um, and either the uh, I don't think I yeah, I don't think it was from the first yeah the first time that he got knocked down in the first round. Um, at one point when his opponent when his so his opponent uh, postured to to punch okay. And Austin did really good at that because when your opponent postures up, he, he stood up. He stood and, uh, to, like, standing over Austin, he postured up. Um, at, right when his opponent stands up. Now, the reason why they're doing that is so that they can land a really, really hard shot. And that's not a time that you want to play an open guard. Uh, another thing that gi jiu-jitsu guys, jiu-jitsu guys have made mistakes. When somebody's standing over them trying to play an open guard, um, it's not the time to do it. When your opponent gives you that much space and they posture, the simple answer is take the palms of your feet, put them on your opponent's hips, do a leg explosive leg press, and, and build back up to your feet. Um, if you try to play that open guard, um, you know every once in a while you'll you'll get lucky and have the Fabrizio Verdum triangle choke and Fedor Emelianenko. But for every one of those examples, you can find a hundred examples of somebody getting knocked unconscious trying to play that uh, that open guard that way. Um, so Austin did really well with that. He stood back up. Yeah, Austin did really well with that. He stood back up and um, yeah. After sorry, one second. Yeah, after he stood back up. Okay, making sure we're good. Um, so, yeah, Austin did that. Um, yeah, he stood back up and uh, engaged, you know, again in striking. Uh, the plan for this fight was not to take uh, his opponent down. Uh, now, Austin said that he saw his opponent when he was warming up. His opponent was... Uh, sprawling and doing a quarter Nelson and, and uh, using the front headlock uh, defensive. So he, he might have um, maybe he expected uh, Austin to shoot and try to take him down. So that's what he's preparing for. Um, but but Austin said it beforehand. His strategy was to Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler and uh, that was what he was watching in the locker room before the fight. Um, but he was also talking about it. it was that yeah, the strategy was to, um, to land low kicks and, and damage his legs. Uh, he said that at the weigh-ins, the guy top top upper body very muscular, 
Um, and Austin said he was very strong there when he fought with him. Uh, he said the guy was really, really strong. Uh, but his upper body was well built, but his lower body, uh, very skinny legs. Um, it's uh, it's also been something interested that I, I've never noticed that with uh, people that fight John Jones. Nobody's invest. I've never seen anybody invest really heavy on low calf kicks or low kicks on John Jones. Uh, it might just be that they're worried about his takedowns and uh, that because uh, John's such a good wrestler. But um, anyway, so uh, but that was Austin's strategy. So they get the uh, guy postures to to land a, a, like a high damage shot. Austin uh, takes the palm of his foot, uh, feet, puts him on the hips, explosive uh, leg press, and then stands back up uh, to his feet. So then they're engaging again, and uh, his opponent uh, like lands another good explosive tight punch. Again, I, I got to rewatch the fight. It could be a left hook, could have been a right hook, could have been a right uppercut, left uppercut, could have been like a straight right, straight through the center. But it was explosive, uh, clean punch right through the guard. And in the first round, uh, Austin's hands were a little bit lower, which we talked about it before the fight, but it's just this thing that happens is you can talk about stuff all you want, but once the fight starts, uh, you'd be amazed sometimes. Like, you'll think your hands are as high as they need to be, um, but then you rewatch the fight and your hands are low. Um, But um, his opponent snuck another explosive uh, strong punch to the guard, and knocked Austin down again. Uh, in the locker room, Austin said he believes that uh, that one, he said it still still was a good punch, uh, but that was a partial slip. So it, it was a good punch, but also um, like a little bit of a, a, a slipping, so off balance. So so not the same as the, the first punch where it's like you're on your feet, and next thing you know, you're on your back, and you're like trying to realize what happens. Um, yeah, the What it sounds like, to me with that one is when you when you get hit with a really hard shot it uh messes up your motor functions so um it very much makes you feel like you're drunk you're you know you kind of get vertigo or your your balance is off um and it will like give you wobbly legs so the difference between the first knockdown the second knockdown was austin was conscious the entire time for the second one he was conscious so um you can get hit really hard and you're there, uh, you're not, you know, let's say alcoholic, you're not blackout drunk, but you are, you know, you're still like a passenger in your body, uh, and you're falling down. The, the first one was like a blackout drunk. You just, you just don't recall a couple hours of the night, um, cause you just drank so much alcohol. Um, but his second one is, is where like you're disoriented and you, again, you're, you might even tell yourself like, Hey, get up or uh, catch your balance. And you just can't. Um, you know, you're, you're in your suit of armor or the, like, a you know, like, uh, the Iron Man suit. Um, you're inside that suit, but you can't control it. The, the, yeah, the, it's malfunctioning because it took some damage. Um, so with that one, his, his opponent again swarmed him, uh, swarmed our close, close distance, got on top of him, was trying to look for a finish. Uh, Austin did well on that one again, uh, defensive in the phone booth, uh, slash playing guard defending the shots i saw one good shot that he landed on austin like one clean one to the chin but Austin still had his composure well and was uh hunting for overhooks and underhooks uh used at one point he used the sumigashi shoulder crunch as a control which again it's it's okay he only had maybe 30 seconds left in the round um the idea on that one was to just not get finished and recover we just need recovery time for your brain um, so it's not even a submission. It's, it's something that's, you know, if uh, if you can get an overhook, you, very simple defense, overhook with one arm, wrist control with the other arm, and it's pretty hard to punch in that position uh, for the uh, the top guy. 
Uh, but overhooks are pretty tough to get because your opponent on top, it's they have natural inside position. They're inside your closed guard, so they're inside your hips. And they can put their hands on the inside of your biceps pretty easy. So if you can't get an overhook because they can frame there, you can uh, swim You can swim to, a, to an underhook and use the shoulder crunch. And the, sh- the shoulder crunch you can use even if you don't sweep your opponent. Austin uh, attempted a triangle choke from it, climbing his legs up. And his opponent just postured and uh, created some distance, which that's fine. Got, got some pressure off Austin, and it, and it uh, did served its purpose, so his opponent couldn't just uh, throw punches. He had the, the shoulder crunch locked on his opponent's left arm, so he has his right arm to punch with, and then Austin's also threatening with the triangle, so his opponent has to worry about defending the triangle as well. Um, but uh, the shoulder crunch also, the, you can shield your, you can shield a lot of your head with the shoulder crunch itself. Uh, you also use their body because you're you're close to their their uh, close to their trap and their shoulder, using their head, their trap, their shoulder to make it harder. Uh, it, it it's much better than like I said, laying flat on your back where you're just offering up your chin on a platter for your opponent to um to knock you out on your back. So. Um, so yeah, that was the end of first round. Uh, second round, that was you know obviously his opponent's uh, best round, and that was a good one for that was a tough one, uh, tough round for Austin uh, getting dropped twice. Good that he survived it. Um, and then uh, so when round two, uh, when I went to the the uh, cage in between rounds, Austin looked like he had been rocked, but he was still you know he was still good. He was still there, um, and you know had was like okay that's a good uh hard first round um but the good thing about it is uh he had he had felt you know the that's that's the worst that that guy can do you just you just felt the best thing he has and Austin had landed enough low kicks that now uh his theory was proven correct that this guy has a, a weakness when it comes to low kicks and low calf kicks so now it was like okay let's it's time to invest more on that and keep on putting banking those low kicks. And the other thing is that um, you know the round two and round three, uh, you know, if it's a title fight, four or five. Uh, but those later rounds is when those low kicks really start to pay off um, when the guy sits down. Uh, I think it was either in between the first or second round. Um, is either in between uh, round one or round two when I walked in. Uh, I looked over and his opponent was sitting down on the floor and his uh, and the reason why he was sitting is because his legs were starting to uh, tighten up and not work and because of the damage um, and that's actually the worst thing you can do if you're if your legs start cramping or seizing up from the low kicks is to, to sit down that guy sat all the way down to his butt um, he wanted to sit down before the, the stool even got in and I heard his coaches say, like when they they were coming in behind me, I heard them say, "No, no, no, no!" Like get up. They they didn't want him sitting down because, um, yeah. Once you sit down, it's it's even harder. It would be better probably for him just to stay standing, um, but sitting down was the absolute worst thing to do. Um, so then round two, Austin uh, does more more of the same low kicks, but now uh, he had started. Uh, fig- oh, a couple of the details I left out. Round one, uh, before the knockdowns was uh. Austin was doing well before the guy landed the good shots. Austin was doing well at, uh, with his range, and uh, and the guy had thrown right hooks and had throw, thrown things, and, and Austin saw him and moved out of the way. He pretty smoothly moved out of the, the guy's range. Um, it's just that the guy has legitimate knockout power, um, so you know all it takes is one shot, and you, you can get dropped. Um, but there were several times where the guy threw his round kick, and Austin stepped out of the way. And just like his previous fight, when he threw the the, the high kick, it's either a flexibility thing, 
or um, flexibility thing where he's just throwing too hard. He's not balanced, or just skill. He's just not balanced yet. But um, but he tripped himself uh, multiple times in the fight. Maybe maybe two or three times throwing throwing his kicks. He actually like foot swept himself. Austin didn't pursue right away um, on the ground because he wanted to do damage to the to the guy's legs. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I said, the before he got dropped, it was their striking was it was a good exchange. Um, yeah, it was good exchanges. Austin was doing good again. It's just if you're going against somebody with that knockout power, all it takes is one shot and then they can drop you. Uh, round two, that's really when Austin started to take over. Um, the the leg kicks from the first round had already started doing a good amount of damage, and Austin just started landing more and more leg kicks. Um, round two, it got to the point where the guy, um, he couldn't check him, and Austin said he could hear his corner yelling to check him, um, but the guy couldn't, uh, yeah, the guy couldn't check the leg kicks, and he kept on, Austin kept landing them, and the guy would go from orthodox, Austin would throw the right low kick, then he would switch southpaw, and Austin would switch southpaw and, and throw the left low kick and, and was tearing up both legs. Uh, he got to the point where the guy was actually, I think, like standing heel to heel. Like he would land the, the low kick and it would just, the guy would just, it would just hit it and he'd bring the legs in close. Um, and then Austin started using, uh, because he had done damage to the lower body and the guy was worried about it, now it opened up uh, shots to the head. So Austin did really well because, uh, again, the guy still, had, when you have a guy like that with knock, a legitimate knockout power, uh, and he has a good right hook and a good left hook, um, uh, Austin had done a lot of damage to him, so Austin started walking him down and had his uh, back against the cage. But instead of rushing in and like throwing like a 10-punch combination or going wild, Austin was really good at being precise at, at throwing a good stiff jab or a cross and then a low kick and then faking a jab and then another low kick and then uh, a good cross straight through the center. And he was landing good precise shots right on the chin and then also low kicking. Um, so the reason why this is good is at that point, that guy's legs are toast. He's, he's jacked up. It's hard for him to drive forward when your legs are messed up. But like a wounded animal, when he backs up against the, when he backs up to the cage, um, he's inviting you in to pressure. Now, uh, his legs were pretty battered and he was in a lot of trouble. So at that point, his best bet for winning the fight was to um, land a big right hook or big left hook. So he, so what you don't want to do at that point is get over aggressive, throw too much volume. Again, uh, a five, a five punch combination, a ten punch combination, because he can take uh, two or three shots and then he could just land a big right hook and then he potentially knocks you out and the fight's over. Or even if he doesn't knock you out, now he's on top of you for the rest of the round and still and still wins the round from you. So Austin did great at being precise. Like it's like a surgeon, just precise. You don't need a ton of volume in that scenario. Uh, the guy's back is against the cage, and also this is lots of people think of like pressuring as running into somebody or clenching or charging there's different types of pressure that's a type of pressure as well when you keep when you back a guy up against the cage but you don't clinch with him and what happens is you keep his back against the cage and you're you're basically fighting and kicking range you're you're fighting and kicking range and then you'll for uh, a moment you'll step into punching range you land your shot and then you step back out into kicking range so you're you're out of range of that big left hook or right hook. Your kicking range, you can kick the guy anytime you want. 
he can't back up. His defense is compromised because his back against the, is against the cage. But because his back against the, is against the cage and you're in kicking range, when you faint uh, a jab, faint across, or you faint closing the distance, his nervous system has to constantly react to that. So even though you could not, you could, you could, uh, like Austin had that guy's back against the cage for, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes of the second round. But that guy's getting way more tired than Austin is. Even if Austin only throws, let's say, three strikes in 15 seconds, but just because of the positioning of where that guy's body is and doing the feints, it's fatiguing that guy at a, a faster rate. One of the biggest issues that wrestlers and jiu-jitsu guys, a mistake that they make, is when they do that, they crowd too much, and they, they force the clinch. Just so you know, when you, when you uh, in that same scenario, if you drive chest to chest and you push them up against the fence like a, like a weight sled, um, you'll actually fatigue yourself a lot. You fatigue yourself more by pushing your opponent up against the cage wall than the person who's getting pushed against the cage wall. Um, in a fight, try it. I've done it, and it's very, very tiring. But if you once you actually train and you actually get serious, yeah, the person who's up against the cage wall, they could potentially be losing the round if they just stay against the cage wall. But the issue is the guy who's pushing is spending way more energy. Um, and old school MMA, MMA's changed a lot, a, a lot in the last 15, 20 years. Old school MMA, Randy Couture, uh, and people still try to copy it, but Randy Couture would just go chest to chest and, and push people against the fence, and he could win decisions with that. Um, those days are gone. The, the referees separate you much faster, um, so you could push the guy up against the cage, and you're spending a lot of energy to push the guy up against the cage, and then um, and uh, and then the ref separates you, and now you have to do all that work to get back in, and that guy's more fresh than you are. You were spending energy, but you weren't doing any damage. The other thing as well is if you, it used to be you take a guy and you push guy up against the fence and you take him down. Um, and guys that would play guard, I mean, this is 15 years ago. Yeah, if they would just play guard, uh, they're pinned up against the fence. They can't move their hips. They can't move their head as well. Um, that works good. But once people started wall walking and they started heisting up, uh, then now that that fence is a third leg it's a whole it's a it's another part of their body so if you see like a george st pierre style takedowns the reactive proactive takedowns but in the open so your opponent can't use the fence to uh to wall walk up and the more modern posting your going to all fours posting your forehead so that you're again the wall is uh is a third leg for you um and your opponent can't drive you down and you're not going to necessarily, like old school, you could actually win rounds by just having the guy pinned up. You, that's not the case. The judges, you could do that, hold the guy for a minute and a half, and they separate, and that guy lands a three-punch combination. Um, the judges could give that to the other guy, and, I mean, honestly, rightfully so, because that guy did more damage to you. You're you're put, you're pinning him up against the fence, but, um, but that's not like a... It's not a dominant pin like, say, side control or mount or rear mount, where you're punching the, you're actually doing meaningful damage, or you're one, you're one strike away from uh, finishing the fight. Uh, when you're chest to chest, just pushing against the guy against the fence, you are controlling, you are nullifying his offense. Um, but the compared to say mount or rear mount, then those positions you're a single strike away from the fight being over, or from uh, taking your opponent's neck or arm, uh, like a like a, that's a really dominant pin. Um, but Austin did great at that, like put him right in that in that spot. And this, and again, precise shots, precise punches, uses feints, landed a lot of good shots. Um, yeah, and that guy, the guy was uh, hurt at one either the second round or third round. Austin uh, did enough, or landed a good shot and bloodied him. 
Uh, I don't know where the guy was cut from, whether it was his nose or eyebrow or what. Um, another thing Austin did really well at one point was he, he threw a low kick, and his uh, his opponent, because he was getting hurt, he's he, he was in a shock val- val- factor, um, and also he was getting hurt. He looked at his corner. Like, he looked to his corner, like, what to do, like, looking for advice. Um, and I started yelling, he wants out, he wants out. And I'm trying to, you know, sow that seed of doubt in him uh, and his coaches. Um, but uh, he, and the guy might have wanted out. He was he was getting hurt enough. But he looks at his coaches either like he either wants out of the fight, he's about to go down, he's done, or he's looking like, hey, what do I do? I have no idea what to do. And when that happened, when the guy looked to the side, Austin threw, I th- it was either a jab or a cross, but it was like a perfect straight punch right on the chin. And I was like, that's that is perfect Uh, i say this in sparring every thursday when i'm like giving advice people will look at me and i tell them do not look at me if if you look if you you listen do not look at some a coach when they're coaching you during sparring it is not dirty it's not unsportsmanlike it's not bad to punch you right in the chin when you look to the side okay and you also it don't feel like it's dirty or dishonorable you're in a fight they're trying to uh, they're trying to knock you out in front of your friends and family. Uh, that's not a penalty. It's not a foul. The rule is protect yourself at all times. Keep your eyes on your opponent. Do not look at the looking at your coach doesn't do anything. Like doing it, looking at your coach does nothing. You need to tune and practice, train your ears to listen to your coach's voice. Um, but Austin did great. Where yeah, his opponent looked to the side. It was like yeah, it was perfect. It was crossed right on the chin. And uh, Austin's leg kicks were uh, had hurt the guy bad. Like the guys. Definitely not going to be walking uh, normal for a few days. Um, but then he started landing those precise shots on the chin, and it was hurting the guy. So the guy's rocked. His, his legs are gone. His wheels are gone. And now he was hurting him uh, to his head, which was which was great. Um, and uh, the third round, Austin got a takedown. Uh, he, he continued the same thing, was the low kicks again, doing more damage with the low kicks. I can't remember exactly how Austin got the takedown. It might have been that his guy threw, threw a kick and slipped um, and, and fell, and then this time Austin decided to, to take top position. Um, it, it is a blur. I'll have to rewatch the fight. But Austin gets a takedown in a beginning, like maybe the first 30 seconds of round three. Um, and he's on top. Austin's probably on top of the guy and his guard uh, for the next minute, minute and a half uh, or so. Um, and uh, and he's you know just ground and pound, no, nothing crazy at this point. Both guys are really tired. Uh, Austin's tired. His opponent's tired. Um, but yeah, Austin's you know doing working shots of the body and up to the head. But it's at a at a at a paced uh, tempo, not not trying to finish the fight at that point. Um, uh, and then his, his opponent builds up, uh, fights back up to his feet. Um, again, I, it's a blur. I can't remember exactly how he gets up. Um, but yeah, he might have, I think he might have wall walked on the cage and then gets up. And then uh, Austin was smart. Instead of uh, like a dog on a bone, just trying to go to that double leg and like stay. Uh, I remember his, his uh, that's what it was. His opponent went for a guillotine. And when he went for the guillotine, Austin had to posture up and fight the hands, and that gave the, his opponent enough space to stand up. But uh, but Austin didn't just spam and shoot another double leg, which it could have. It, when your opponent is fatigued and their their backs on the wall, a locked hand uh, double leg is actually pretty good there. Um, but Austin was pretty fatigued, and in between the rounds, he, I I suggested to for the last minute, minute and a half, to look for a takedown. But he said he didn't want to try to take the guy down. Um, and, and just so you know, takedowns cost the most energy. So when you're really, really tired, uh, going shooting a double leg does not sound like anything you want to do. Um, 
But uh, when the guy got up, Austin didn't uh, waste needless energy. He just got right back to his stance. Um, and then the last, uh, you know, 45 seconds, 30 seconds of the fight, uh, Austin believed that he was up on the scorecard, so it was just fight smart, high guard, and, you know, for the most part. And both of them really, really tired. Both of them had taken a lot of damage in the fight. Uh, they were both battered. Uh, so they both, for the last 30 seconds, you know, little jabs, little things and stuff. Um, but neither neither guy wanted to get finished, and, and neither guy, and both guys had already taken a lot of damage and were exhausted. Um, so, uh, so yeah, the, the decision came. Uh, what I told Austin when I got in the cage uh, was that um, the the best bet his opponent could ask for would be a draw. Um, and that, and I just, and I wanted to tell him that just to prepare him mentally that there's potential that the the referees could have gave that first round as a 10-8 if they like the guy, if they really see the fight in that guy's way, you know, if they if they if they like what they're seeing with that guy, he could have potentially got a 10-8 for the first round, but the round two and round three, you got 10-9s. Um, but uh, luckily, the the judges were not uh, giving out 10-8s uh, easily. Uh, so it was a 10-9 for his opponent in the first round, and then round two and round three were 10-9 for Austin. Unanimous, uh, unanimous decision. All judges agreed uh, with the same. All three judges agreed with the same ruling. 10-9 round one uh, uh, for his opponent, and then 10-9 in round two and round three for Austin. So unanimous. He won by unanimous decision. And I don't think that. Um, I'll have to rewatch the fight to actually give uh, my take on round one, whether I thought it was uh, – like I'm not saying that I think it was a 10-8, um, but I was the reason why I was saying it is I was trying to give him the scenario just for – that is my honest read. It's really, really tough to um, – to, when it's close, it's, it's really – the, the easy ones, like round two and round three, obvious, easy. It is very, very easy to, for me to tell Austin, hey, dude, you dominated those rounds. You almost finished the guy uh, in round two, and round three you were hurting him really bad, and then you took him down, and you're on top of him controlling him for the whole round. So those are obvious. Those are easy. But when it's something close, like a really, really close round, or potentially like do you think uh, a 10-9 or a 10-8 where you're trying to juggle this, that's when bias makes it clouds your judgment. It makes it really – bias and uh, being in the heat of the moment, um, it makes it really, really tough. Um, and uh, I, I would think that uh, I there's people that I know that say that, oh, I'm not biased and it's not tough. Um, I would say that they're just ignorant. They just haven't done it long enough because uh, everything that your fighter does is weighted heavy, uh, heavier for you um, because you, you, everything that they do is good. And then everything you downplay everything that your uh, opponent does. So, um, so I will when that happens that I'll try to wait against my own bias uh, just to um, just to not be surprised. Um, but also, like I said, unanimous decision, three rounds, uh, sorry, two rounds to one, uh, doesn't surprise me at all. And I think it was the correct decision because at the end of that fight, uh, um, yeah, like if they would have fought two more rounds um, or if you asked that, like, yeah, if they would have fought two more rounds, Austin was going to go on to to finish the, to either finish his opponent or his opponent would just have to stop off of how much damage he was doing. Uh, or like, I think like the Chelsea son and rule, he says, like if, uh, you know, if the, if the fight kept going on the playground and there's no judges, no refs to, you know, whatever to, to stop it or score it, um, who's, who's going to keep, who's going to win that fight if the fight keeps going on the playground. That was Austin. So, uh, but yeah, good decision. So, uh, breakdown of the fight, um, the, the big, the, the big thing that Austin didn't tell me or Xavier, um, also I gotta say thank you to Xavier and Halle for coming, uh, for the fight. Uh, you're both great teammates and uh, supporters of your friend. 
Um, they, they drove all the way, you know, drove all the way to Knoxville, the two of them. Uh, and then they're doing just like me and turn around and drive them right back uh, home uh, to support their teammate and their friends. That's awesome. Uh, Xavier uh, helped out a lot. He helped with uh, uh, holding – Xavier held mitts and sparred with Austin. Uh, and the, Xavier holds mitts for Austin more often than I do. Um, so it was perfect. Thank you, Xavier. Thank you, and Hale, for coming, for all the support and helping. Uh, it, it means a lot, and it, it helps a lot, and I'm sure to Austin it means a lot. Um, and it's and it's cool to see you guys as you're growing up because, uh, you know, Xavier and Hale definitely, if at one point if they want to open up a gym, uh, they, they will be able to. They're building the skills right now. They're already uh, cornering and, uh, and helping fighters. I mean, Hale is 15. Um, and she's in the locker rooms. It's, it's actually pretty funny because, like, in the locker rooms with all of these uh, grown uh, men and women fighters and stuff and uh, adults. And, yeah, she's 15 in the corner just, like, just absorbing it. So, But um, but if they, you know, if uh, Xavier and Hale ever wanted to open up a gym and be coaches when they're, you know, in their 30s, they, 30s and 40s, they could definitely do it because uh, they're, they're building the skills right now. So it's awesome to see it. And uh, thanks to them for coming. Uh, um and also, Xavier spars with Austin a lot too, so he knows the uh, uh, the the looks that Austin would like or need, and uh, and also watched his uh, his opponent's fight and was purposely moving like his opponent. Uh, so that was awesome. So what he what he said after the fight um, that he didn't tell uh, me and Xavier back in the locker room. Now uh, Austin did when we were warming up. Uh, he as he was warming up, he was talking to himself and he's like, "Man," he said, "He's like, I'm so nervous. Like, why am I so nervous?" He asked me if, uh, you know, he's like, I hate this. Why am I so nervous? I'm never nervous like this. Uh, and he, he asked if I had a bucket, and I didn't have a bucket. And I asked why, and he said because he thought he might have to throw up in between rounds. Um, now, I think if you throw up in between rounds, they they might just call it. The commission might just say that's it. That's uh, like a verbal submission. Uh, but they might call it. But um, but it was nerves and stress and uh, fear and anxiety. Um and yeah, during the warm-up, uh, you know, Austin sparring, landed a, a kick on the knee, like uh, on Xavier's knee, I think maybe with his toe or something, and like jacked up his foot. And the and it was uh, Austin was basically having like a negative or downward spiral in the locker room where he's like trying to talk himself out of it, trying to work himself out of it. Um, what I told him is like I I understand that you feel terrible, but if it helps at all, um, just know that George St. Pierre was has has said that basically before every fight he ever had, uh, he was terrified basically. Um, and that he, that he loves training, but he hates fighting. Uh, you're talking about one of the greatest fighters of all time. Uh, if not the greatest MMA fighter of all time. Um, and people will say with that, like, Oh, George St. Pierre, like, yeah, he's a good fighter, but he's a coward. He's scared. It's not that he's, uh, it's a scare. He has high standards. So he's scared of failure, scared of losing, scared of failure. Um, but also, when you're about to fight a guy and you've seen him, uh, you know, basically knock out uh, one of his guys three times in a, in a single fight, there is also, it's completely logical to have fear, anxiety, uh, stress, nervousness, all this. It's, it's 100% logical. You're, you could say, you could listen to all the Tony Robbins stuff you want. You could talk to your buddies that, you know, you could be having a beer, talking tough and everything. But when it comes down to it, when it comes, when you're about to lock yourself into a cage with another man or woman and fight, 
uh, your brain knows and your body knows if it's in danger or if it's potentially in danger, if there's a threat. You can have all the, the uh, you know, posturing you want. Now, if you're completely ignorant and you're just an idiot and you're, you're ignorant, you can get away with it. But if you're actually studying your opponent and you see and your opponent, you know, has knockout power, it's going to be there. Um, but when I told him, like, George St. Pierre, you know, it, it actually is what drove George to, to uh, his success. It's the reason why he did every little thing right uh, was because of the fear of failure. Um and also the rational fear of somebody might, you know, they might punch you or kick you in the head so hard that it, you know, causes your brain to collide into your skull and then render you unconscious. That's a rational fear. And uh, and a rational fear can't just be overcome by some ignorant just, uh, you know, you could do a mantra, you could do a chant, whatever you want. Um, but it, it can still, it's uh, it's not just going to override it. Not, again, if you're, if you're ignorant or you're really, you know, really dumb or something, yeah, you could do it. But if you're smart and uh, like Austin has a podcast and he studies the game and everything, he knows what can what can happen in a fight. And he's been studying his opponent, so it's completely rational why I was there. Now, the other thing I told Austin was, and I, I told Xavier this too, um, is that um, that uh, there are going to be plenty. You're going to have plenty of fights or matches where you feel psychologically absolutely terrible. You could be almost wanting, you know, wanting to cry in the locker room or throw up or whatever and go out and perform great. You could you could also the opposite, you could feel great and then go out and just uh, perform just you know when I talked to Austin after the fight he said you could you could feel great and then you could shit the bed. Like yeah, you could do that. You could just drop the ball. Um, and you're like, and you'll, and you'll be like, man, I felt good. I didn't have any injuries, and there's nothing wrong with me. I, like I was perfectly fine. Um, it's this is the thing. What's what's ultimately going to dictate, or the the thing that there's always a puncher's chance. There's always you know a lucky punch or a choke, or you know just an error that it can all be over just like that. You really can't predict uh, that like luck or chance. Um, the the thing that you can predict the most is you are going to. You're, you're not going to rise to the occasion. You're going to rise to your level of mastery or competency or your skill, okay? Whatever your skill, whatever your true skill is, whatever you've mastered, your level mastery, that's the level you're going to rise to or you could look at it as fall to, okay? You're not going to rise to this imaginary superhero uh, occasion. You're going to rise to your level of mastery. Um, uh, so with that, the this is obvious, but the best predictor for winning a fight, the, the fights are decided days, weeks, months, years out before a fight actually happens. And that's why it's so important to have the correct fight route, uh, training routine, uh, coaching staff that you trust, have a smart game plan. Um, because ultimately, once the bell rings and the first punch is thrown and the first punch that lands, um, as long as you don't completely shut down and give up, and, and just and just say and tap or just curl up and give up. Your body and your mind will will literally be activated, and whatever you have mastered will turn on like an autopilot. Um, so this is the reason why it's important to not not avoid uh, to work on your your weaknesses and to have good training partners. Um, yeah, there is no imaginary Superman that's gonna you know if you can't check a kick if you don't you can't check a kick in uh, sparring you're not gonna be able to magically check a kick in the fight. Um, 
you know, et cetera, all these things. So that's the most predictable thing. The mind is really important. The mind will can screw you or it can really, really help you. But this is another dimension is the mind also, you can say, like, screw you. Uh, I feel terrible psychologically, but I'm not going to let – it doesn't matter how I feel. Like, how I feel is not going to dictate how I perform. Uh, it is a very uncomfortable roller coaster to be on. It is not a fun ride to take when those days happen. But those days are going to happen sometimes. We don't want them to happen all the time. But when they do come and you have those days, you have to remind yourself. This reason I told Austin to write down, like, because he's going to have all these deep, dark thoughts that he had in the locker room. And uh, I suggested for him to write it down today or tomorrow or the next day before it fades um, because he won the fight and it was a great fight. So before it's like rose-colored glasses and he looks back on it in a happy light, write down all of those deep, dark thoughts, all those fears, all the, the things that you had when you were back in that locker room. You write it down and then save it so that when the next day comes that you have that same doubt – Write the letter like you're writing to yourself. Like I would, I would literally say, "Hey, uh, you know, hi Austin. This is Austin from 2023. Remember that fight at Cotton Eye Joe's when you thought this and that, whatever? Well, guess what? Once the bell rang, you know, you attacked him, and then you ended up winning the fight. So you got this, dude. I know you're reading this note right now because you, um, you know, you feel you're feeling the same feeling. But remember, you know, you felt this before and you went through it. Um, and and it also gets easier once you how you how you get stronger and how you uh break through that is you need to feel it it was good for austin to feel that that fear and that anxiety uh and then face it uh the proper way and then to win the fight now he's he's unlocked that it's like achievement unlocked it's a new skill he has it, it will at some point come back when it comes back he'll be able to recognize it um but he'll still be better for it um, and what he said after the fight that he didn't tell us in the locker room, he told us he was really nervous. He was like, man, I'm really nervous. You know, he was worried about, we took a trash bag out to the ring in case he had to throw up, uh, in the ring. And then, um, uh, yeah, we took a trash bag out there, uh, in case he had to throw up. Um, and, uh, he had to cut his warm up short too, cause he didn't want to burn too much energy, I think. Uh, but yeah, didn't get to do the full warm up was planned because of the nerves, because of the stress. Um, and he said that he said, he was like, I didn't tell you guys, but back in the locker room, he's like, I was almost going to tell you like, Hey, Corey, Hey, Xavier, like I'm out. Like, I can't do this. Like I I'm backing out of the fight. I'm done. Like in the locker room, he was, and I'm proud of him for admitting it. Cause a lot of people will, they'll never admit. That's what's funny is people think that like bravery is just like, Oh, I, I never feel any fear. I give somebody way more credit. Uh, you're way more brave when you're so scared or have so much anxiety or, or you're worried about some fear, whatever. You feel this stress, and instead of backing out everything, your body is screaming for you to back up. Your mind, your psychological makeup is everything screaming for you to quit, to give up, stop. And then you say, not today. Like, I'm still going. And you, and you literally sometimes have to just put one foot in front of the other and just go and just trust that once the, once the first punch is thrown, once it starts, you're going to default to your, your, your training. Um, and it will turn on. Most of the time when I compete and fight, I don't even think of the person as a person. They're just a body. Like, I don't think of like any emotion. They're just, they're just a body that, that helps me where I don't think about the persona, the person, anything. They're just a body that I'm fighting or like a, like a bot in a video game. Um, but the, but the fear, it will be there sometimes. And yeah, true bravery is feeling that and not giving up. So I'm really proud of, uh, Austin for doing that. He leveled up his bravery big time. Cause now when he has another opponent that's, uh, that has knockout power is, uh, 
is, um, you know, that, that gets that feeling where like, oh man, it's like, oh, I've been here before. I'm ready. I can, I can overcome this. Um, but, uh, and, and anybody who like makes fun of, all right, I'm back. So yeah, I just had to pause it for just a second, but yeah, I just had to pause it. So, um, so yeah, anybody, what I was saying with, uh, Austin talking about, um, the fear and anxiety that he was feeling and the, the self-doubt in the locker room that he was feeling. Um, anybody who would make fun of that, uh, I mean, I've, I've heard it. Like, people would talk about George St. Pierre. They would say, oh, he's a, when he went to a sports psychologist, people said, oh, he's scared because he's, um, yeah, because he has to do that or whatever. It's like, no, dude, if um, you you sign up for a fight, you sign up for a fight, and let's, I want to see how you do in that locker room. And again, you don't get to sign up for, like, a tomato can. No, no, dude, you got to fight a guy who's uh who's jacked that's got a six pack is really muscular and is explosive and uh will knock you out with a single punch and then i want to see in the locker room i want to see how it goes because i'll tell you right now 99 percent of the population uh backs out of the fight actually lots of them don't even show up xavier's opponent uh, i think probably looked up xavier uh xavier's opponent backed out a week before the fight and um Sorry, one second. Yeah, Xavier's opponent backed out a week before the fight, and I'm sure that he just probably looked up Xavier's social media and just saw, like, uh, Xavier's newest picture he's got on his Instagram from his last fight. Xavier's looking jacked, like, his back and stuff looking jacked. So he probably probably looked at that and was like, uh-oh, this, this is not good. You know, the, I'm out. Um, and, yeah, it's easy to take a fight when you look at the guy and you size him up. You're like, oh, I can, yeah, I can I can beat this guy. Um but, uh, but yeah, when the guy's actually a really muscular jack dude that, uh, that's a good athlete, it's a completely different story. Um, and your average person back, I mean, you're honestly, I've seen, I've seen quote tough guys completely have a breakdown with a, a local jujitsu tournament where you're not even getting punched. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's very tough to do and, uh, admitting that you're feeling anxiety or fear or nerves or stress or whatever is not, not a weakness. It's, uh, it's just, it's part of, uh unpacking your thoughts and, and digging at, uh, digging them, dig it into it. And then you ultimately, um, you know, you want to, you want to overcome it and like, uh, you know, be the, the, if your emotions are a flame, you, uh, you don't want to suppress it. You want to master it so that you can be the wielder of the, the flame. The, um, not just, not just suppress it. Uh, but, um, anyway, so, um, but, uh, but so other things, so things that Austin did good. Okay. So, um, he was trying to, in the locker room, he was trying to, um, you know, fix it verbally. He was trying to talk to himself, but it's going to be tough. It's, it's Sometimes you're going to talk to yourself. You self-talk it is smart. Mantras are smart. Self-talk, that, those are smart things to do. The right music to listen to, all the things are good. Sometimes, or Those are all good things to do. Um, some people like it, making jokes, comedy and stuff. Um, you know, you lean on your, your training partners, your teammates, your coaching staff, but sometimes none of that's going to work, and just psychologically, it's going to be a bad day, and it's going to feel like a bad ride. Um, there are things, I mean, you're going to have plenty of times like this, like in the gym, you're going to have this plenty of times, uh, but there are some things that you're, when, you're, when your brain is uh, betraying you, there are some things that you can do physically uh, where you can you can act before you believe it. So you, your, your body can act first and then your, your brain will start believing it, um, after it, uh, follows. Sorry. What I'm trying to say is there will be times where you feel like you can't take another step forward or you feel like you should quit or you need to stop. 
um, and your brain is not you, there's no rational logical explanation that can that can talk you out of that um, but if you can just move your body and you can force your body into it uh, your body and again this is autopilot your, your nervous system your skills your deep ingrained neural pathways you've carved in your brain the beauty of it of fighting is once you've act once you're actually trained and it's your default setting you will start performing at your default setting and um, you'll start performing that default setting. And what happens is, as your brain observes your body having success, um, you know, the guy kicks you, the guy punches you, and you don't fall apart, your brain, your psychology, will start to believe in your body. So, it's funny to say it, but yeah, there, there, where nothing logically or rationally can be said to you to convince you otherwise, but you just keep on trudging along, just, just because, you trudge along. And then suddenly your psychology, well, like I said, in the Austin first round, the guy basically, uh, he got as close to knocking him out as he could without knocking him out. It's like, okay, dude, you just you just took everything that guy's got. You took the worst it was, and you're still here. You're still standing. So, And also, you did a lot of damage to him. So then uh, just forcing your body to act, your brain then will start uh, joining along for the ride. Like, hey, wait a second, I can win this fight. Hey, okay, not only can I win this fight, I'm hurting the guy. You land a shot and it hurts him. Uh, and then and then you start building more confidence. Next thing you know, you're you're uh, about to finish the guy and you're winning the fight. And then after the fight, you're you're laughing like I can't believe that I was, you know, so torn up over this. I can't believe that I almost quit the fight because like I did great. Austin had a great fight and it's 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 awesome. It's actually a great experience for him though, to be in the locker room and be like, man, I'm about to quit, like I'm about to quit. Uh, or just give up on this. I'm out of the fight, and then to uh, to get to experience that. So um, sometimes your sometimes your brain is gonna feel like garbage. Uh, sometimes your brain is gonna feel like garbage, and uh, you have to ignore it. And your body has to take the lead. And your central nervous system, and all the the training, your the training experience. And when you get overwhelmed with uh, anxiety or fear or stress. That's when your body's, uh, your autopilot is going to take over. And then as your your, your brain uh, observes yourself doing it, uh, it will then calm down. And I think it might be then your frontal cortex can start activating. It's not your amygdala and just fear center. Um, and you can start uh, thinking through stuff better. Um, so uh, Austin, the, the thing they did well was this, this is really when like stoicism plays in, not being too emotional, being cold and calculated. Uh, you can be terrified or super stressed or super nervous, and if you're cold and calculated, it's hard for your opponent to read. Um, uh, not not so introverted and quiet where your, sh- your shoulders are curled in and you're not, like, standing confidently. Um, you don't want to do that. Um, but, but, yeah, if you're... Uh, me, I, I like... It's just my style. I always liked uh, Takanori Gomi. I always liked... Uh, George St. Pierre and Fedor Mananenko, and they had that quiet, stoic style. And I, I liked it as well. It's just my style um, uh, to just be cold and calculated so I could think through the problem the best possible. But it also is a good uh, camouflage for if you're really nervous and you're uh, and you're not you're not uh, you're not letting it grow more than it needs to, and your opponent doesn't get to feed off of it when you have like a bunch of nervous energy. Because uh, some guys, you can tell that they're nervous because they're like really um, they're they're like yelling and like being wild and stuff uh sometimes they're they really are a dog and then sometimes it's just just all a show um but uh, 
uh, like you want to carry yourself with a positive uh, body. So you want to stand up tall, chin up. Uh, You want your chin exposed, shoulders pulled back. You want to walk confidently, stand confidently. Again, this is your body. Uh, Even if you're super insecure and you're not confident, you walk confidently and you're slowly telling these little physical uh, cues to your to your brain. Um, And it's going to take a bunch of them. You you know, you can. It's going to take a bunch of these cues, and then you're going to. Reality is also going to have to convince your brain. Uh, It's not just the walking around like you're a badass, but um, it's it's part of it. Then the next thing is that when Austin came in, if you when you watch the fight when they're announcing Austin's name, he does his normal pacing left and right, keeping eye contact with his opponent. Um, Austin, you wouldn't have known that Austin was really nervous or fearful, uh, or you know whatever in the locker room uh, from you know once he was in the cage and I was going back and forth, and that's how it should be. Uh, once the cage goes on, the the switch turns on. You're a fighter. You're an athlete. And you're going to do what you are trained, what you train to do, no matter how you feel. You're, that's your job. That's your, your you shut up for work. Now it's time to do the job. Um, it doesn't do you any good when you're in a, about to fight somebody. This is self defense or um, or in the cage for competition. It doesn't do you any good to make yourself like a worm, small, and like try to play like beta, like, hey, like, I'm not going to hurt you. Uh, now, there are, like, there are some, there are some scenarios, like, uh, like, I've heard a Mike Glover podcast where, like, dealing with the cartel, if you have a gun or you try to show strength, like, that would be trouble, you know, if, say, the car, you're in Mexico and the cartel pulls you over, you want to actually be, like, uh, submissive or, like, you know, hey, oh, no, I'm no threat, I'm no threat, you try to buck up in that scenario, then, you know, there are some scenarios where you need to be uh, submissive or like beta in that, of that scenario. But in the cage, uh, when you've signed up to fight uh, another man or woman, is not the time to do it. Um, they're not going to take any mercy on you. Uh, you're just going to make them grow stronger. Um, and also what you're doing with that body language is you are, instead of building a case for your, your brain to say, hey, I'm good, I'm good to fight, like, I'm supposed to be here, I'm good at this, I like doing this, you're not, um, instead of building the case for yourself, uh, what you're doing is you're building the case against yourself, um, you're, you're telling your, your brain, yeah, man, see, look, our, our shoulders are rolled forward, we're hunched over, we're, we're hiding, we're, um, we're so, we're, like, scared, we're acting like a worm, we're overting our eyes, we're not, you know, and, and some people, again, Fedor never like to make eye contact. Um, if you don't like to make eye contact, that's fine. Just don't make eye contact. But don't avert your eyes out of fear. Uh, if you're if you're scared, it's probably the best time for you to make eye contact and let let the person know, uh, like stare stare straight into their eyes, like like you're ready to punch them in the face. Um, don't overt out of fear. Um, but because uh, uh, they'll get more confident, and they'll they'll attack you and finish you. Um, and then the, the, I guess the last thing that Austin did really well, uh, last thing that Austin did really well with the fight was, um, uh, at the beginning of the fight, he didn't play passive. Uh, his opponent was, this was part of the strategy already, but his opponent does well when he fights on the front foot. So he's moving forward. Like for example, Xavier works, uh, can fight good moving forward or backward. So Xavier can fight well on the back foot. Uh, when it comes to striking, uh, but, uh, this guy, his opponent is not good at, uh, fighting on the back foot, but he is very good fighting or his, his strength. He's, uh, he's strong fighting when he's on the front foot. So when he's the one pressuring, driving in, um, 
so it was important for Austin to not uh, play passive and, and uh, back away from his opponent constantly. So at the beginning of the fight, I was proud to see. It was awesome. Austin marched, not sloppy, marched with his hands up in a good stance, but he marched straight to the center and met the guy in the center of the cage and, and started the fight. Now, after that, when the guy would throw big right hooks and stuff, Austin would uh, you know slide step back or circle right or circle left. He wasn't just staying in the phone booth the whole time, just just throwing bombs and stuff. Um, but at the beginning, there is a the, it was that was that's part of building the case for yourself or building the case for Austin. So yeah, you come out there, he throws a punch, you throw a punch, you both hit each other. Like okay, cool, yeah, I'm here. Um, and again, when you watch the fight, you probably wouldn't even think Austin was nervous in the first round. Like the guy would throw a hook, and Austin would slide out of the way, and he like laughed, he smiled about it. Um, the guy threw a head kick, and Austin kind of like, uh, not like a matador thing, but did some little, he was playing, he started having fun. That's another good thing, too, if you're nervous. Like, you can play it the first round as you're figuring your opponent out, like, lighten it up. Like, realize um, this is something that you like to do. So it might be, you know, a little bit of playing and stuff. Um, you know, the I know Hunter told me that uh, in the absolute finals, he, like, played rock, paper, scissor with his uh, heavyweight opponent. Um, I've done that before in matches, too. A um, little bit of psychological stuff, but again, it's you just you're just not tightening up in a ball. Um, time and a place for everything, so don't don't just go out there and play rock paper scissors uh, for for no reason. But um, and uh, and I know his his opponent threw something. He he threw like a good combination, and I heard Austin say, "Look at smile at him and say, oh, I like that." Um, and Austin, like I said, Austin wasn't being unsportsmanlike. He wasn't like insulting the guy's mom or wife or girlfriend or anything he just the guy threw a combination yeah and austin like slipped it and moved out of the way he was like oh i like that like that was you know that was something sneaky um uh that that's another good thing is like instead of uh you know he started opening up started having fun and that's that's letting him know hey dude you you like to do this it's a reminder for your brain your brain is just dealing with stress anxiety and fear so you need a reminder hey this is what i like to do i'm and i'm pretty good at it too i do it all the time i practice i'm good at this um, so you need that reminder sometime when the when the you know that anxiety and fear kicks in. Uh, if it's never happened to you before, it's gonna. Uh, if you compete enough, it will happen to you eventually, and it sucks when it happens. But you 100% uh, when those days come, it, the ride sucks, but you need to ignore it and press on. Uh, there's been plenty of fights and and matches that I've won that I felt absolutely terrible. Um, and there's been plenty that I've lost where I was actually I was supremely confident, like I'm good to go. Um, you know, and you're just like, oh wow, ran into a wall that is objective reality. Um, I mean, literally, I've had fights where it's like, man, this is everything's going wrong. I'm sick. I got pink eye, and then go out and do great, uh, thinking like injuries, everything, and yeah. So, um, so yeah. Ultimately, when it comes down to that, when you can't trust your psychology, you got to trust your body and what you're trained to do, and that's why it's most important to have a good training schedule have a good training program, have good training partners, uh, and, and, and make a, a, a smart program what you're working on. Um, because when, 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 um, when enough motion, um, when enough emotion comes into the game or into the fight, uh, it's going to be hard to make rational decisions. So you're going to have to go based off of your, uh, uh, your training experience. You're going to, you're going to rise or fall to the level of your, uh, mastery. Um, yeah, so I uh, hope you enjoyed that one. It was a great fight to Austin. Congratulations to uh, Austin, and, um, yeah, congratulations to him. 
he's looking to make his uh, pro debut next. So uh, I know we're talking to the locker room, we're talking about the guy's uh, strength. So he's looking uh, looking to gain some muscle and gain weight, and that'd be good to fill him out more for the 125 pound weight class. Um, he doesn't need to gain too much, but yeah, just uh, up the calories, up the protein, up the lifting, put some weight on, and get him ready for his pro debut. Uh, and that's also what I'll say is uh, a nice thing that everybody before you make your pro debut you want to experience that type of fight like you want to experience that fight where you have to go through a lot of adversity and win Um, uh, all of my fighters out before you go pro I want you to experience that Uh, and I want you to it doesn't matter if you win or lose but I need you to experience it before your pro debut because pro you don't want to be surprised by that where that's what happens uh, or that's the first time you experience that. And uh, the other thing too with the, with uh, Austin, if somebody was to say like, oh, you know, scared or whatever, um, no, like brave, true bravery is you're scared of something and then you press on anyway. But but not just pressing on. What a lot of guys do that are actually scared in that same scenario is they they want out of the fight, so they find a way to get out. Uh, lots of times they'll they'll give up a rear naked choke. You know they'll turn their back and just because they just want out. And rear naked chokes don't hurt. You just get choked and you just tap and it's over. Um, so that's a really common one. But when Austin got dropped in the first round, he could have very easily, which a lot of fighters do this um, when they want out, when they're scared of a fight, and they're, they're just like, "Hey, I'm I want out." All Austin had to do was curl up in the fetal position. The guy wouldn't have hit him with very hard shots because if you curl up in the fetal position with your gloves and their gloves, it's pretty hard to land right on the chin. He would have thrown basically punch, maybe 10 or 15 punches. And because Austin's curled up not defending himself, or that's the only defense he's doing, the ref is going to stop it you know, anywhere from... If you're fully curled up like that, it might only take three to five punches, but definitely 10 to 15 punches and when you're curled up like that and it doesn't do a lot of damage to you. The ref is going to stop it, especially amateur. So if Austin um, wanted out of the fight, uh, he could have, when he got dropped, he could have just curled up in a ball and that, that'd just be it, be over. Um, but he didn't. So that's the that's the true bravery is uh, you're scared of something, you press on, and then you're given an opportunity to take the easy way out, and you still don't take the easy way out. You stick in there. Um and uh, one of my favorite, I guess to close it, one of my favorite quotes, one of my favorite movies, uh, The 13th Warrior, um, uh, the quote is, uh, luck will often save a man if his courage holds. Uh, and you would be amazed uh, how that that uh, pays off or how, how often that actually happens. So I um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully the road noise from driving home is not too loud. And, uh, yeah, see everybody at the gym tomorrow. Uh, See you soon.